Series. We're so pumped that you're here. Gateway Plantation all weekend long online. Guys, I'm so pumped because the first two weeks of this series, we've been talking about all things marriage. And we're talking about communication. We're talking about intimacy. We're talking about grace in our marriages. Well, this weekend... For the caboose, for the grand finale of our Love Handle series, I have my wife, Sarah, with me. Yes, yes. And, and, and Matt said, babe, like, will you, will, you talk, will you talk with me for this series? I'm like, sure. And he's like, we're going to make it really easy. We're going to talk about sex. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Which, no. by the way, if it's your first time here, Welcome, I'm sorry, and you're welcome. I promise we don't talk about sex all the time, only every couple of years or so. But look, one of our strategies is we like to have fun as we a do. church. So just be ready to have some fun with us. We're really excited about this. For those of you who maybe don't know our story, Matt and I were high school sweethearts. We got married. Gosh, we've been married 18 years. We dated for five before that. And so we've been together quite a long time. We got married in 1996 when, like, the big poofy veils were awesome. I think we have a and picture. Yes, yes we do yes, have a picture. Of, that, um, that's an amazing, oh. amazing hair. Yes. And I'm not talking about yours. <laughs> honey I'm talking about mine yeah you, you pretty much you pretty much look like you're 12 in that picture <laughs> you know <laughs> one of the things young. that people always say to us when they see our wedding picture is wow you guys got married young and I always say to them yeah we dated for five and a half years and we were virgins on our wedding night okay we got <laughs> married young. young and of course here's the thing when you get married young Everyone gives you advice about sex. And so, like, for us, uh, uh, one, of, like, one of the things that people wanted, somebody told me this. They said, take it slow. Take yeah. it slow. Another one was, let nature take its course. <laughs> I love that piece of advice. And then I, we had several people say to us, okay, get a jar. And the first year of marriage, every time you have sex, put a nickel in the jar. And then after you celebrate your first anniversary, then every time you have sex after that for the rest of your marriage, take a nickel out of the jar. You'll never, you'll never run out of nickels. <laughs> and that is true because, well, I mean, you know, the truth is the first year. No, no, here's what I mean. The first year of our marriage, we did have a lot of sex. We did. Like a lot. Um, and and <laughs> we did. Uh, but here's the deal. We had a lot of sex our first year of marriage. We have great sex now, 18 years later. And I'm, I'm just telling you, like, sometimes some of you are sitting here, you're like, wow, they're like, they're seriously talking about this. We thought they might beat around the bush. Like, no, nope, we're going right at it. We are talking about it this weekend. And here's why. We're here's, doing it. We're, well. <laughs> talking about we're sex. <laughs> That's what I meant. Well, we, listen, we've been practicing all week. The message notes. <laughs> yes, we have this message down. Okay, so baby, you yes. got it down. <laughs> Stop. All right. <laughs> every comment. <laughs> yes, this is one of those weekends where everything will be taken out of context. But anyway, <laughs> here's why we're talking about it. And some of you may be like, "Wow, they're really talking about this in church." But here's why we're talking about it: because our culture is talking about it. Everywhere you go, there are messages about sex in movies, in books, in romance novels, I mean, online, that people are talking about sex. How, you know, how to have a great sex life. And it, culture is talking about it. But 
oftentimes the way it's viewed is in a very destructive way. It is, it's not the plan. And, and many times, man, it gives marriage a really bad rap. I mean, it, it says things like premarital sex is normal and you have to try before you buy. I mean, culture gets this wrong. It says that pornography isn't going to hurt anyone else. And then it says that once you get married, it all stops. I mean, that is what culture is telling us. But we are talking about this this weekend because we believe that culture is wrong. We believe that God has a plan for our lives and for our marriages as it relates to this area area of sex. And so we're here going, no, like it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to listen to culture. We can listen to what God says about sex. That's right. In fact, the Bible actually has a lot to say about this subject of sex. So uh, if you have your Bible or if you have a smartphone with a, you know, with a Bible app on it, Turn with us to the book of Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. Now, you might want to start now because it's going to take you a little while to find it. So Song of Solomon is, is this book of the Bible that's very rare, but it's, it's written by King Solomon, who was King David, the great King David, his son, King Solomon, a very powerful man. And he wrote this book, and it's very poetic. It's kind of a, it has used a lot of metaphors and word pictures. I want to talk through some of that. And it's about King Solomon on his wedding night. With his bride. And so in the first parts of the book of Song of Solomon, she is calling out to him. And it's, it's this beautiful prose. And she's calling out to him. And then he's returning it back and calling back to her and, and interacting with her and describing her. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Matter of fact, look at this. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says this. Solomon's Song of Songs. So it's, there's this introduction and setup. And then this is her calling out to him or, or, or describing. She says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is more delightful than wine. Okay, listen. This was the first romance novel on planet Earth. And it's God approved. It's God approved. And so when you came into your service this weekend, you were handed a bulletin. Inside of there's a slip of paper. We would love for you to pull that out and follow along with us. There are five fill-in-the-blanks on there talking about what God has to say, what the Bible has to say about sex. And here's the first thing we want you to see. Number one, great sex is God-honoring. Yes, great sex is God-honoring. God created sex. All you have to do is go back to Genesis, to the very beginning of the Bible, and, and you'll read this encounter of, you know, in the garden, and that is where it all started. So look at Genesis 2. We're, we're, again, we're going back in the garden here. It says, Then the Lord made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. They felt no shame. God created sex. You go back to, to the very beginning of the Bible, and it's in there. I mean, God wasn't surprised when all of a sudden Adam and Eve were like, 
figuring it out, and you could hear, like, leaves rustling, and, you know, like, it wasn't like God was like, what are they doing? Like, he created it. He knew exactly what he was doing. God created sex, but the world has distorted it. See, sex is, is, is like, to, to use a metaphor, it's like fire. And so fire is neither bad nor good, but it's, it's both good and bad. That fire, when it's in a fireplace, say, is, is a, a wonderful thing. That if you have a fireplace in your home, a fire will, will warm your living room. It'll light the living room. It's, it's, you can roast marshmallows. Like it, it provides this beautiful, serene environment. Fire in a fireplace, in the right context, is very, very good. However, if you take that same fire and move it into, say, a dry forest... After, you know, during a drought, suddenly what was just a moment ago was good and amazing and a wonderful and useful tool now becomes destructive, now becomes painful, now, now becomes dangerous and harmful. See, and, and what's true fire is true of sex. That God created it, and in the right context, inside the confines of marriage between one man and one woman, sex is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a useful tool. It's, it's a miraculously wonderful thing. But when you take it outside of the confines of marriage, all of a sudden, that's where it gets dangerous. That's where it gets harmful. All of a sudden, that's where damage can be done. And that's what the world has done. They have, they've taken this beautiful thing that God created called sex, and they've moved it outside the confines of marriage. And the minute we do that, we enter dangerous territory. Number two is this. Great sex is tender. It's not only God honoring, but it's, it's tender. Uh, we're, we're talking about foreplay. We're talking about all of the stuff that, that, that happens long before you actually get to the bedroom. Talking about back rubs, you know, and like when you just hold each other's hands. And, and, and when, when, like, I, I love it when Matt will just like lean over and put his hand on my knee. And it just kind of lets me know, like, hey, I love you. I'm thinking about you. I cherish you. It's tender, that, that idea of foreplay. It, this is non-sexual touch, N-S-T, non-sexual touch. It's tender. It's tender. We're talking about things like, um, like hugs with your hands that stay high. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like no, when I you don't. hug. I do not understand. <laughs> so, so like when you, when you give me a hug and you keep your hands up high. No, you lost me. <laughs> here, I'll show you. Come here. <laughs> All right. So when you give me a hug and yep. like we're in the kitchen and you just hug. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You stay. No, no, no. You stay right up here. See? I right there. Get, I don't get it. No, stay right there. <laughs> Non-sexual touch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that. Yeah, not interested. <laughs> Men are like microwaves, and women are like crockpots, okay? It just takes a longer. Like, for men, like, okay, so, like, when, <laughs> is a, like, when is a man ready to have sex? It's like a microwave, like, express cook on, on high, one minute, like, it turns around, ding, he's ready. Like, that's, like, just one minute, power level high, and that's it. Like, that's men are, <laughs> it's like, he's ready. And uh, women are definitely like crockpots. You got to start it slow and simmer <laughs> in the morning. About 7 a.m., put a little something in there. Add some spices later on and turn up the heat. Slow up, turn it back down, turn it back down. Check on it at noon, and hopefully by 7 o'clock that night, you got something to eat. Yes, <laughs> you got it. Good job. <laughs> wow. 
No, I mean, we're having fun, but the truth is it's tender. It is. It's foreplay. It starts long before the bedroom. Well, and we mentioned the Song of Solomon. And, and when you get to chapter 4 of the Song of Solomon, Solomon begins to, to describe uh, his bride on their wedding night. And it's actually this most magnificent metaphorical description. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Look at this. A Song of Solomon. He, he's honoring her, his bride. He's, he's building her up. He's, men, he's paying careful attention to the details of her life. Long before anything sexual is happening, he's, he's, he is being tender with her. Look at this. I love the Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. He says, now there's some metaphors in here, and I'm going to explain them to you in just a second. He says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful that, that Solomon is reflecting on his bride's beauty. That here they are, and, and he's, he's looking at her face, and he's reflecting on her beauty. He says, your eyes behind your veil are like doves. That this is their wedding night, so she's had a veil over her face, and he pulls up the veil, and he looks into her eyes. And when he looks into his bride's eyes, he, he, the eyes are the window to the soul. And he's, he's seeing into her who she is, into her soul. He goes on from there. He says, your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. Now, what does that mean? Okay, <laughs> here's the deal. In those days, women always, notoriously, always wore their hair up. They, it was always up in a bun. And so this is the first time Solomon has ever seen his bride let her hair down. And as she is letting her hair down, he, he, all he can see is, is this beautiful imagery of a mountain and this, these beautiful animals coming down the mountain gracefully. And, and so watch this. He's, he's reflecting on her beauty. He's looking in her eyes. He's looking at her, her, her face and her hair. He's, he goes on. He says, your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn coming up from the washing. Each has its twin. Not one of them is alone. Okay. What's going on there? <laughs> what? Okay. Here, here's the deal. In those days, very few people, much less women, had all of their teeth. And so when he sees his bride smile, like he's, he's blown away at the, the magnificence of her smile. He's like, oh my gosh, you have all of your teeth. Each one has its twin. Like, baby. You are beautiful. Like, like he's like, do you see what he's doing though? He's he's paying attention, men, to every detail. Before there's physical intimacy, there's this emotional tenderness that is shared between them. He he says her, her beauty, her eyes, her eyes, her eyes make the stars look like they're not shining. Her hair, her hair falls perfectly without her trying. She's so beautiful, and I tell her everything. Wow. Listen, Bruno Mars may have sung it, but Solomon wrote it. <laughs> and you sang that really well. Listen, some of you are like, how did he get her? That's how. <laughs> That's how. Yeah, and you got me young, too. Um, <laughs> I'm Stick to kidding. the notes, honey. I'm Stick to the kidding. notes. Just kidding. No. Uh, it, all joking aside, great sex is tender, which leads to number three, intimacy. Great sex is intimate. Sex is not just physical. And I am telling you, that is what the culture wants us to believe. They want us to believe it is just physical, but it is not. God created sex to be 
intimate. Look at, look at Solomon, verses 3 and 4. He goes on and, and he says, Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David, <laughs> built with courses of stone. <laughs> On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> So let me tell you what's going on. All right. Yes. First of all, uh, he, he is, he's sticking with the face, okay? And so, yes, he, he's commenting on her cheeks are rosy like pomegranates, and he's reflecting on her mouth. And, and then here's the deal. He's a warrior, okay? Like, like you know, he's a king. And so he, he's trying to figure out how to describe her neck, and, and all he can think of are, like, warrior terms. You know, now, listen, before, before guys, you, like, start trying to use that as, like, hey, baby, or, like, shields, and, like, it's, that's probably not going to work. But here's the deal. He was using whatever, like, metaphor was in his mind at the time to kind of Stay up here, you know, like before any clothes were off, he's reflecting on her mouth and on her cheeks. And like, I look on and I'm like, you know what? You go, Solomon. Like, way to go, man. Like, maybe it wasn't, you know, the best, but you know, you were trying, like you were trying and he did a good job. Well, and here's <laughs> the thing, man. Let me, let me pause for a second and say this, man. Listen, you got to give it to my man's approach. Like he's <laughs> trying to, to be intimate with this woman, like, way to go, Solomon. Way to go, brother. <laughs> right? And men, listen, we got we to gotta work on our approach. Okay, listen, here's the deal. Our wives want to be known. They want to be known by us. Men, they want us to ask us questions, ask them questions on, on our date night. They want us. I remember several years ago when we, we heard this idea that women in their mind all day long, it's like they, they have windows, like on a computer, or like apps on a smartphone uh, that are open all day long. And you know how like on your smartphone when you've got a bunch of apps open, that it, the, it will start to slow the memory down and the battery life will start to go down, you know, really fast. Okay, well, the same is true with, with a woman. That throughout her day, she's keeping all of these windows or all of these apps open. And when these windows or these apps are open, it's going to slow the memory down. It's going gonna, it's gonna to drain the battery. And so every once in a while, at least on an iPhone, you have to kind of double-click the little thing and then swipe up to get rid, to close those. Okay, man, listen, our wives need us to help them process their day. They need us to process those things emotionally and mentally that they're stressed with. They need us to do that. Men, listen, we have to work on our approach. Guys, listen, I don't understand this. But apparently she thinks it's sexy when I empty the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. That is sexy. But, or, or, when I, <laughs> think, or when I wash the car. Or, okay, man, listen. Okay, so a few Fridays ago, Friday's our day off. So a few Fridays ago, uh, she had had a really big week. And so I said, you know what, honey? Uh, she, I heard her alarm go off. And so I came in and I said, honey, listen, don't worry about it. I'll get the kids up. I'll, I'll take the boys to school. You just, you just stay in bed. You just keep sleeping. So I did. So I got the kids up, you know, I got them around. I drove them to school, took them to school, whatever. Listen, I'm just telling you, men, when I got home, I don't eat Easter for Good Friday. <laughs> that was a good Friday. That was a good Friday. Guys, come on. We got to work on our approach. And women, we need to make an approach. <laughs> Any approach. Like, just, just make an approach. Here's the deal. We're talking about intimacy. Men want to feel wanted. 
It, it's not just physical. It is emotional. And, and no man wants us to just kind of give in to him out of duty. Sex is emotional, even for men. Did you know that 97% of men say that getting enough sex isn't by itself enough for them? They want to feel wanted. This, again, we're, again, we're talking about intimacy. We're talking about how great sex is intimate. And men are emotional. They want to be wanted. No guy wants to feel like they're making their wife have sex with him. They don't. Like, we've got to make an approach. We've got to make an approach. Years ago, Matt and I were teaching on marriage, and uh, one of our points was about sex. And so we're standing out in the lobby after the session, and this lady walks up to me, and she's like, hey, that was a great message. I loved it. You know, I just, we're going to work on our marriage. Like, great job. And she's like, I mean, except for point four, which point four was about sex. And uh, I kind of, ha ha, like nervous laughter. And I realized her husband is standing right behind her, right to her side. And, and she was like, all except for point four. She's like, I told my husband, we've had our four kids. We're done with that. And I am just telling you, I glanced past her and I looked at him. And the look on his face was full of pain. It was this moment in time where he was just like looking at me like, what do I do? What do I do? Like, this is my wife's approach to sex, that we're done, that he's not ever going to have sex again. I, I, and I just sat there and I thought, you, you have no idea what you are doing to him. It's not just physical. It's emotional. And men want to feel wanted. Come on, ladies. Come on, make an approach. Figure it out. Like, this is how we bring our intimacy level. Make an approach. Be like, all right, baby. Like, bound chicken. Wow, wow. Like, it is on. <laughs> like, it's on. Like, it, again, it's. <laughs> Listen, and here's why. Because number four, great sex is passionate. Great sex is passionate. All right, back to our boy Solomon. Okay? So my man is making an attempt with the neck and the shields and the battle and the tower and the thing. But then. In verses 5 and 6, he arrives at the destination. Check this out. Look at verse 5. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 5. Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that will browse among the lilies. Okay, listen. I don't know much about gazelles or lilies, okay? I have a little experience with being from Indiana with people who hunt deer. All right, man, listen. Here's what you got to know, okay? I don't know much about hunting deer, but here's what I do know. You do not approach deer like this. Hey, deer. Hey, deer. Hey, deer. Okay, I'm just telling you, if you approach the deer, the twin fawns, like, hey, deer, I'm just telling you, they're going to run away. Again, I don't know much about hunting deer, but I do know it takes a little gentleness. Hey, deer. Hey, dear. Hey, dear. How you doing? How you doing? My man. Twin fawns and gazelle. Look, he goes on. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense. Do not make me explain to you what the mountain of myrrh and the hill of incense are, but my man went there. He went there. 
Good for you, Solomon. Get you some, brother. That was awesome. And he wow. went there all night all long. Night. That's passion. That's love. Great sex is passionate. Guys, listen, here's permission, married couples, to have fun. Have fun. Now, now, again, before you go taking this out of context, you're like, honey, the Bible says all night long. Okay. <laughs> like, listen, I get it. Not every time is created equal. Okay. Let's just be honest. And I remember telling my husband, you know, at one point, baby, like, not every time has to rock my world, but at least once a week it better. So, you know, like... When it comes to passion, <laughs> 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 Woo! we are talking. Mountains of myrrh. <laughs> we are talking about it. Okay, so, but here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal, and I get it. Seasons change, our bodies change, schedules can be busy, but whatever stage we find ourselves in, we can cultivate passion. We can cultivate passion in our marriage. So do whatever you have to do to cultivate that passion do i mean if you have to if you have to put it on the calendar then put it on the calendar be like all right listen it's been a crazy week so wednesday wednesday is wild wednesday baby and it is gonna happen it is gonna go down in the keller household wild wednesday uh, like you know whatever you have to do text uh, text your spouse all day long have that anticipation like so excited to be with you tonight like text them do whatever you have to do to get that passion level back up plan a date night get a babysitter you know ladies i know i listen i love my sweatpants too they're so comfortable but when it comes to date night like take those sweatpants off put on a short skirt and your heels and have fun with your husband do whatever you have to do to cultivate that passion boom and let me just say this <laughs> A couple of things about the whole babysitter thing. Okay, first is if you're a babysitter. All right, if you're a high school or college student and you watch kids, let me tell you something, babysitters. Okay, little, come here. Listen. Okay, here's the deal. When they get home from the date, you know what they don't want to talk about? How your grades are doing in your spring semester in school. No, 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 no. Listen, you think the date is over? Date's not over. Scram. Get on home. Get on out of there. And married couples, here's this nickel's worth of free advice. Okay, ready? Pay the babysitter before you leave for the date. That way when you walk in, you're like, what's up? High five. See ya. Get on up out of here because this date ain't over. That's what I'm That's talking right. about. That's right. Get creative. Passion. Get creative. Be passionate. I remember when our kids were young, it was hard because it was like that feeling of, oh my gosh, there's so much to do. And, you know, the kids are little and when are we ever going to find the time? And so if I would ever find a time where our kids were actually playing well together, I was like, okay, perfect. And I would look over at my husband, I'd be like, you know, put in a Barney tape, you know, like VHS, like Barney. And I'm like, come on, let's go like the bedroom. Like, you know, we've got five minutes. Listen, you know? I'm just telling you, <laughs> I love you. You love me. Can't hear that song ever the same again. <laughs> love you, Barney. <laughs> Get creative. Passion. We're Passion. talking about great yes. sex is finally number five number five great sex is built on absolute trust great sex is built on absolute trust listen here's what we know we understand that some of you right now are having trouble listening to this message because you're saying things to yourself like yeah but matt and sarah listen you don't know our situation you're saying things like matt and sarah you you don't know what i've been through some of you 
have trust issues. Some of, some of you have trouble trusting. Some of you have had trust broken. And here's the deal. Trust becomes broken in our marriage three ways. Three things that break trust in our marriage. Write these down. The first one is this. Something happened. Something happened. The first way that trust is broken in our marriage is that something happened. You had an affair. Your spouse was, was promiscuous before marriage. Something happened. The second way trust is broken in our marriage is that something happened to you. That you were molested as a child. You were, you were raped. Maybe you were abused or, or taken ad advantage of. So when it comes to sex, that's the lens that you are seeing it through. And the third way that trust is broken in our marriage, something happened, something happened to you. And number three, something is happening. Maybe it's an emotional affair at work. Maybe it's, it's looking at pornography or, or, it, or, it's, or it's constant flirting or going out of your way for, to, to be near someone or, or find someone on, on Facebook. That something somewhere is diverting your energy and your, your passion, your focus, your attention away from your spouse. Three things can break trust in our marriage. Something happened. Something happened to you. Or something is happening. Look at what Solomon says in verse 7. He says to his bride, You are altogether beautiful. My darling, there is no flaw in you. Now remember, this is, this is the most intimate, passionate moment on their wedding night. And what's he saying? He's saying, you are so beautiful, there is no flaw. And I know that it can be easy to read that the first time and think, oh, well, she, she must have had a perfect body then. She must have just felt so good about herself. She, might have, she must have been flawless. But the truth is, she was actually really insecure. We don't have time to read the whole thing, but if you look back in chapter 1, you realize that this woman actually felt quite taken advantage of in her younger years. Her brothers actually forced her to work in the vineyard all day long. And so at one point in chapter 1, she actually, she actually looks at Solomon and she says, don't look at me because my skin is dark. And what she's saying in that moment is she's saying, I, I've been out in the sun, I've been forced to do things that I wish I didn't, and, and my skin is all worn and, and I'm kind of embarrassed. Don't, don't look at me. And so again, remember, they're at this most intimate moment on their wedding night. And yes, yes, she feels insecure. And so what's he doing? He's saying, hey, I don't see any of that. I don't see any of that in you. When I look at you, you are so beautiful. There is no flaw in you. What's he doing? He's building up that trust in her and in their marriage. It was such a beautiful thing. See, when there's trust in a marriage, married couples are able to see past flaws. But when our flaws are undealt with, they become a barrier to trust, a barrier to intimacy in our marriage. So now every time we go to the bedroom, what happens? It's messed up. It's not okay. There's this, there's this glass wall between us, and we can't figure out why. And here's the reason why. Because we all have flaws. We're all messed up. Adam and Eve were sinless. They were perfect. But when they fell, when they sinned, flaws entered the human race. Sin entered the human race. That's why Jesus came, to set us 
free from slavery. And some of us have been slaved to our flaws in our marriage. So what's your flaw? What's your flaw? For some of you, something happened. Something happened. Seven years ago, something happened. And yes, you forgave each other. But every time you go in the bedroom and lock the door, those thoughts come flooding back. That's slavery. That's bondage. Jesus wants to set you free from that thing that happened once and for all. For some of you, something happened to you. Maybe you were the eight-year-old who was molested as a child by, by your uncle or by a coach. Listen, you've got to tell the story. You've got to see a counselor. You've, you've got to carve in three hours on a Saturday morning or a Friday night soon. And you've got to sit down with your spouse and you've got to look them in the eye and say, here's what happened when I was eight years old. Here's what happened to me. And you've got to start processing it. You know why? Because it is a barrier to intimacy in your life. And God wants to set you free from that. For some of you, it's that something is happening. And listen, if that's you, you've got to stop. You've got to stop flirting. You've got, to, you've got to stop the emotional affair. You've got to stop looking at pornography. You've got to get help. You've got to find accountability. Because your marriage is worth it. It's worth it. Remember in Genesis it said that Adam and his wife were naked and they felt no shame. They didn't see the flaws. They weren't there. God wants to set marriage is free this weekend so where do we go from here few challenges the first one is this it's in this in this area of honoring god with our sex lives and for some of you you're you're single in this room and right now your life your sex life is not honoring god and you need to make it right for some of us it's the tenderness thing we talked about men some of us need to start unloading the dishwasher some of us need to start asking our wife, how was your day? And help her process through those things. Some of us need to, need to look her in the eyes, the window of her soul. For some of us, it's a tenderness thing. And for some of us ladies, or, or even some guys, it's this idea of passion. Like, yeah, we want to get it back. Like, like, we want to be passionate with one another and not take that for granted. In, in, increase that emotional intimacy and be passionate with one another. For some of us, we need to deal with the flaw, with something that happened, something that happened to us, or to something that's happening. So here's what we want to do before we continue on with the rest of our service this weekend. We want to pray. Will you pray with us? Jesus, thank you that in your sovereignty you created us. God, thank you that you created this thing called sex and that it is a beautiful thing that honors you. And so, Father, I pray for our married couples, Lord. I pray for every married couple who is listening to this message today. I pray, Jesus, that you would give them the courage to have conversations, give them the courage to deal with their flaws, their insecurities. God, give them, give them the courage to turn the passion meter back up, to take risks, to be vulnerable with each other because God, a great marriage is worth it. And Father, I pray for every man, every husband. I pray, Jesus, that you would give us the courage as husbands to be the men of God you've called us to be in our homes, to be the leaders you've called us to be in our marriages. 
Jesus, I pray for every single man. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I just pray that right now, anyone who's feeling guilt or condemnation, yes. God, that that yes. would just be gone. God, and that by, by the power of your spirit and your love, God, that they could just feel your loving arms being wrapped around them and just healing those places. God, those, those dark places, Lord, where they're embarrassed or, or, or where they feel insecure, God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that, that you and your love, God, would just wrap around them. And God, I just pray for all of the ladies under the sound of my voice. And God, I pray that as wives, God, that, that we, could, we could just surrender to you, God, in this area. Lord, that we could, we could serve our husbands and we could enjoy ourselves. And God, we could cultivate passion once again. God, we pray, God, for anyone, Lord, who's, who's under the sound of my voice right now, who's just thinking, there's no way. It's never going to happen for us. God, I pray, Lord, that you would break down that wall, God, and you would just speak to them right now and say, it can happen, God, through you. We thank you for all of these things in your name.